My name is Phil King and welcome to the third series of the Search for the Soulful Leader. Over the past two seasons, we've spoken with some of the most prominent leaders, consultants and academics in the field of leadership development, gaining some incredible insights whilst also exploring some of the most important topics facing organisations today. The work we do at Soulful Leadership and the aim of this podcast is to create a space for leaders to better understand themselves and their potential impact and find the key to unlocking a more soulful approach to their leadership. So this is the second part of a two-part discussion on the role and impact of masculinity in leadership. In the previous episode, myself, Jindy Mann and Toby Erith focused our discussion on the notion of maleness and masculinity and what it is to be a man. There are four billion ways to be a man. And what we're pointing towards is getting away from the idea that there's these archetypes or models of a man or masculinity that we need to fit into and actually pay attention to who we are individually and what's the best way to bring that into the world and and serve ourselves and others. We also spent time exploring some of the common misconceptions that arise in this discussion around sex and gender and the implications of these misconceptions in the wider debate. If I could add a kind of third layer or lens, masculine and feminine, we can also think of as energies or or parts of us that we all have. So we all have an aspect that's masculine and feminine. In Jungian terms, that's the anima and the animus. In Chinese philosophy, that's the yin and the yang. Yin and the yang can be a better way to talk about it because inevitably when you say masculine and feminine, that gets equated with male and female. But actually we're all yin and yang and we all have masculine and feminine inside us. We also explored Jindy's particular personal passion for the role of men's group and the remarkable impact of creating spaces for men to openly share and explore their masculinity in a safe environment. Yeah, I think there's a great deal of sensitivity around the whole topic. Whenever mm. I talk to anyone really about this <clears throat> this topic, there, there's there's a sense of being sensitive and treading carefully about what we're talking about because there is so much understandable sensitivity around, around gender. There is... Um, some fairly fixed ideas that are for some people quite threatening to, to, to start to unpick because something like gender is, it's almost like the way we think about gravity and, you know, the sky and the earth, you know, we have these very fixed ideas about what it is. Mm. In this episode, we delve into the idea of default man and how this is being challenged in the modern workplace, what masculinity means to each of us personally and the possible place for masculine energy in leadership. So how do you see this playing out, Jindy, in the sort of interactions and coaching conversations you're having? This, mm. I, I think I refer to it a little bit like a, the, the double bind a little bit of of masculinity and the, there's still some sort of system sometimes still admires, and this goes outside of the corporate setting, also into societal setting, sometimes still admires kind of certain masculine features of perhaps strength or steadiness or even aggression in the right context. But at the same time, there's some clear pushback away from, from those, some of those behaviors in different settings and, and particularly in the work environment, our, our default man whilst is whilst it's being uh, challenged in many regards at the same time there's an expectation in the workplace of that default man playing out and if the default man isn't playing out 
then maybe there's something wrong with that man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so there's, there seems to be this kind of double bind uh, at times. And I wonder in real terms what you're noticing and how that's playing out, how that's impacting the men that you work with in the workplace. How, how are they kind of dealing and navigating that complexity and difficulty? Yeah, I think just noticing something in the way you frame that question, I think some men think of think of it as a choice. Like, if I'm going to be more this, then I have to let go of this. Rather than adding or rediscovering is actually a word I kind of prefer. And so whether we call it feminine or masculine or whatever part of themselves that might be underdeveloped, it's about adding and developing so you can still remain whatever you feel you need to be to survive in your organisation or to thrive in your organisation. But you're, you're, you're adding even more that's valuable and more of your parts of yourself that might be undiscovered, neglected, underdeveloped. And if I think to, I mean, Richard Reeves has written about this really well. If you, if you look at, and, and you guys may have witnessed this yourself, if you look at boys up until the age of kind of pre-adolescent boys generally, the friendships they have are really, really intimate. They're like, it's like love between boys. And then they, they reach this point where they start to feel that that's inappropriate for boys to have that sort of intimacy in their friendship. So all the qualities we're describing about being relational and being connected and intuition, they exist, but they get, for, for, for many boys, they get kind of conditioned out of them if they're, if they're around this idea that this is what a man should be. Mm. So it tends to happen around adolescence. So I think a, a lot of this work is about, it's, it's not about kind of learning new skills. It's about rediscovering the things that we already are. You know, guys know how to be intimate. Guys know how to, guys have intuition. Mm. It's about allowing it and recognizing that it's valuable in the workplace. It's valuable in leadership. It's, it's valuable, essential in relationships. Yeah, I notice when you say that, it's kind of, there's a sadness. I've had a real feeling of sadness about, yeah, you're right. You know, like it's all there and, and how wonderful that is. And as a father myself, you know, I see it in my boys, I've got, a daughter and three boys, and I see it in them as well. And yet now they're right on the cusp of that. They're, they are teenagers between 15, 17, 18, and you can see that transition happening. And what, yeah, what a real sense of sadness about losing that mm. or feeling, whatever, for whatever reason, feeling that isn't appropriate. And certainly in the world of work, you know, then there's a kind of whole work persona thing and there's something different happening there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you used that word. There is a real sadness to that for me as part of what as part of the reason I do this work I think there's a real sadness that that boys become men who have pushed away that idea that they can be intimate with other people and mm. to use Jerry Hyde's term tenderness yeah yeah all men have the capacity to be tender but there's this yeah. cultural idea that we shouldn't be mm. Mm. in terms of uh, working with people when you're working with people to kind of help them along this way to add something to their leadership repertoire or skills where do you get people to start where would you kind of start with with a guy who perhaps was quite typically let's call him typical man again i like that term i've kind of got this picture in my head of <laughs> some guy in his pinstripe suit with his briefcase strolling into the office um but you know where does it start because it's easy to as a, you know and working in this world myself it's easy to talk about bringing empathy into relationships hmm. but that's something which got my own relationship with which is very different for others i wonder where, where you start with people that perhaps mm. have squashed that part down yeah i suppose for a long time. well it depends where they are now it always depends on that and also where they feel they want to go and i not consciously at least i don't approach 
my coaching work through the lens of masculinity or femininity or gender. Mm, sure. So, yeah. But typically people, you know, want to work because there's work with me because there's they're making a leadership progression or a big change in their career or a big change in their life. And so inevitably they themselves start talking about almost everyone will talk about their parents at some point. They'll talk about mm. childhood. They'll talk about how satisfied they are with their path in life. So it's really just about allowing that because in allowing that, I think guys start to examine things they haven't examined for a while and explored them. And there mm -hmm. is a, there is a femininity in that as, you know, being intimate with yourself and being curious in remembering that you had dreams as a child. It's very masculine to kind of push that away and forget that, that you were once a boy mm -hmm. and you had these, you had these dreams. So it kind of happens in the process, if that makes sense, mm. rather than something I consciously try to do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. There was a little quote in this book, in that Grayson Perry book, which spoke to this. And I, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's his, his little poem or whether he's quoted it. Jindy, you might know, but it, it, the, the, the little poem says, what are little boys made of? What are little boys made of? Snips and snails and puppy dog tails. That's what little boys are made of. And then it says, what are little girls made of? What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and all things nice. That's what little girls are made of. And it just speaks to that, you know, and as you were saying, kind of pre this moment at some point in our adolescence where suddenly the rules get redefined. Hmm. Our relationships and, and you, know, you say sadness, Toby, I think there's always a little bit of kind of that melancholic reflection back on our childhood sometimes as men of those those times where where that of that innocence and those relationships that we had and that connection and that intimacy and there is a, there is a sort of sadness attached to it you're absolutely right it's there but just out of reach you know when i think mm. about the the archetypes you were describing toby uh, and you take the warrior archetype and i was talking about this just the other day the modern warrior archetype is actually stripped of a lot of the original sense of what a warrior archetype is and if we think about one of the earliest warrior archetypes is the spartans the Spartans, these you know, mm. super fierce, super masculine warriors. But yep. if you if you read anything about Spartan warriors, they were also there was a real sense of brotherhood. They looked after each other. They tended each other's wounds. They listened to each other's sorrows. Apparently, the idea of a stag do comes from Spartan culture. You know, the night before wow. someone gets married, they would have a feast for for the man, and they would all toast him, and they would tell stories about him, and share how much they mm. felt about him. Do they go to Prague? Yeah, they, they go to Prague and Latvia <laughs> and drink these massive flagons of, of lager. But but that is also warriorhood, and that is still present in modern military. You yeah. know, you, Sebastian Jung has written a lot about this. You know, you see, you witness a modern platoon of young soldiers they love each other mm. they look after each other because they have to that is also the essence of being a warrior but that's been kind of stripped out of a lot of the sort of popular archetypes of, of warriorhood yeah and what, and what struck me when you say that is that that and it maybe comes back to the sadness is this difficulty i don't know if it's kind of a shaming or not really but i mean in that in the group that i was part of for a long time the notion was it's like the way of men is the way of the gang and that sounds when I, as soon as i say that i feel like gang god that's a loaded word that's really negative but it was describing exactly what you describe but it's almost like um and i can i was confronted with this some years ago when i tried to establish a men's group at one point and i was told well, why do men need a group they're everywhere like 90 percent of the people are men in this place or wherever it was you know wherever i was at the time you know and it felt like it's the minorities and the underrepresented that needed the camaraderie and support of one another and it felt like wow this is really we're onto something here you know there's something 
which is like it's not okay actually for men to say yeah we need each other yeah we need to be able to have a space where we can talk openly where we can share whatever it is where we can have that camaraderie that brotherhood but yeah it's interesting you mentioned that and i had a i'll just keep it very brief but a colleague who i work with said he was in the same um same kind of regiment i think even as another colleague they didn't or it couldn't have been the same regiment but they knew there was an association through the forces maybe at different times or something like that he said without even having to know him or meet him i know that i can trust that guy he's totally has my back 100 percent and i witnessed a conversation between them once and it was really enlightening actually it's like wow there is something really solid out there i mean this in this sense it was to do with their military upbringing but there is um opportunity perhaps to have those kind of relationships where there is a real trust and a kind of companionship whereas that seems quite hard i think for men to establish an access mm. in a world where perhaps the message is you know you're everywhere it's your time to step aside you know mm. yeah it i mean the the reason that we do this work under the banner leader brother son and the reason the word brother is in there is to point towards that lost sense of brotherhood and that in finding that and in creating that in organizations that that's beneficial for everyone uh, but i encounter the same resistance that you're describing toby it's like well mm. you know why do men need this and actually it's because firstly to talk about men as a homogenous group doesn't feel right because there's yeah. an intersectionality and complexity to that and and secondly all the data points towards how lots of men are struggling. And mm. even though they may still be disproportionately in positions of power and have leverage and influence, that doesn't mean they're not suffering. And that suffering is playing out in our culture, yeah. whether it's society or whether it's organizations. So that for me is the reason, even more reason to, to do this work. You know, if we imagine a man who's been through any sort of process, coaching, men's group, whatever it might be, and comes out with greater awareness of himself, a greater self-acceptance in your uh, words, Toby, mm. a greater ability to relate and connect. Well, that, that's someone you'd want in your organization, I think. Yeah. And it's, I think there's, a, there's an appetite and a, and a hunger for people, for leadership to have that. You know, you could say a lot of that is, it's, you know, it's essence of leadership, being able to do that, being able to obviously relate, share more of oneself, know one's more of oneself. Mm. Um, so they sit hand in hand to some extent, I think. Mm. Well, if I could just share, we did a survey recently, and I'll be sharing the results on LinkedIn next week. And we surveyed men across a range of organisations to just ask them some simple questions about their experience of being a man in the workplace and some of the things they might not get a chance to share. And, and they shared a lot of things about what they struggled to talk about. And then one of the questions we asked them would, was, what would help you to talk more openly at work? And it was an open question. And from the responses that we got, there were kind of five themes. The first one was role modelling. So seeing leadership, senior leaders, role modeling, being open, being human. The second was safe spaces where they can be open and not be judged and have these sorts of conversations. The third was a sense of psychological safety. So feeling mm. that by being open or vulnerable in this way, they, they weren't going to be punished in some way. The fourth was greater awareness of mental health. So they could have conversations that involve topics of mental health and be understood and be heard. And the last was dedicated time having actually some real time and space to, to have these sorts of conversations. That's a wonderful list, isn't it? Yeah. I've just written that down as well. But yeah, role modeling, having a safe space to discuss, knowing that if you're having an open discussion that it's not going to have detrimental consequences, having a bit more skill and awareness and knowledge, 
and prioritizing it, giving time. Yeah, wonderful. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really brilliant summary. That will go in the show notes there. I just wanted to say, without wishing to be like clever with the with the question, it's almost the fact that going back to that question of why would men need this, it's almost by the fact that it's so socially accepted that men wouldn't need this. The fact that we're asking that question is asked in the way that it's asked is a kind of indication yeah. of how important it is, you know, that we do create these spaces that we do create safe spaces for us to have these kind of conversations and really address that that kind of assumption that this isn't a, a men's place i think that and that conversation is evolving rapidly i mean that i kind of referenced that one from a few years ago and i think even in that short relatively short time things have moved on considerably when we have brought in people to, to talk we various people through a lot of yeah mental health awareness days men's health days these kinds of initiatives just the last few years, the the appetite and uptake and interest and acceptability about putting this topic on the list is is really shifted, which is positive. We've talked a lot about this idea of sort of soulful leadership and how you maybe in the context of this conversation find what masculinity means to you and, and finding your peace with that and then bringing that into the way that you lead. I just I just wonder if someone could take away a couple of questions which maybe challenge them to think about how they can. Do start to do some of this work, start to do some of these thinking. What might be the questions that we could ask them? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, so many. There's one that immediately springs to mind. It's actually a quote. I can't remember who the quote is from. Maybe you guys will know. But it's, who were you before the world told you who to be? Mm. All right. Love it. And exploring that can, can reveal quite a lot, I think. And that, that's that's not a bad place to start. Yeah. Nice. I think it's, it's uh, kind of, for me, what that brings to mind is this notion of this becoming. You, who are we becoming? And what do we belong to? You know, what's our, so what's our relationship with becoming, which perhaps is, yeah, who were we before we were told to be someone else? So understanding ourselves better, greater self-awareness and making more conscious decisions about who we want to be and how we want to show up in whatever role we play, of course. And also this topic of belonging, of like just greater awareness about what is this group that I'm part of? Maybe that's an organisation, maybe it's something different, maybe it's a football club, whatever it is. But what are the what are the rules of engagement here? And in what way, if I'm really curious and keen and, and examine those rules and get them out on the table, uh, you know, are they the right ones? Are they healthy things? Am I... Am I perhaps unconsciously role modeling the wrong behaviors because I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to get that need for belonging kind of satisfied. So I'm modifying my behavior a little bit and perhaps I'm doing something which doesn't quite sit. And this notion of integrity, I think is a word integrity often comes up a lot in men's work, doesn't it? Of like, how can I be in greater integrity with myself? What is it? What's this asking of me in this situation? Mm. Um, yeah, to shift that, open up that dialogue or some of those things that you say, you know, the role modeling, self spaces, psychological safety, you know, I really love that list. Mm. Um, is the culture I'm part of supportive of those things or are the unwritten rules of belonging here slightly different? And by that, I mean, what's going to get me promotion, recognition, reward, you know, is it those things or is it something different? And if it's something mm. different, then what's that about? Am I in integrity with myself if I play along? Or is there a way I can support the group? Yeah. Nice. So there's almost this third part of 
who am I who do I feel called to be yeah I recognize yeah yeah where I am now and what's being asked of me at the moment who do I feel called to be yeah which is a great leadership question isn't it it's kind of like what is needed of leadership in this situation Mm. and how might I bring some more of myself to to fill some of that space Mm. or I guess in our work what might be the right way to approach this group or these individuals or this Mm. individual to help them step into that space with a bit more confidence and and skill and awareness yeah nice well done chaps I'm a sucker for a good question and you two have just you two have just nailed it for me my question would be what would Jindy and Toby ask that would be my question So, uh, the f- one final thing, I'd love to get your both of your perspectives on this. Just one final thing, but what, what do you think, what is the one wish, your wish for the, to, that would move this com- conversation and move the dialogue on to the next phase, perhaps over the next kind of one to three to five years? You know, what's the your one wish or desire for, for the conversation around masculinity and leadership? Mm. So... I'm glad Toby mentioned integrity, actually. I think there's a, uh, Toby, you mentioned integrity with ourselves. We talk about real conversations in the work that we're doing. So Mm. we're going to show up and have real conversations with each other. So there's something Mm. I'd love to see more and more integrity in relationships and in in conversation. People showing up and having real conversations about that beautiful question that Toby asked, what's really going on? Which my wife jokes is probably the question that drives my entire life. Yeah. What's really going on? <laughs> I mean, I could say something profound, and maybe it is—it is also, or it is profound. I said anyway, but it's also a bit of a, a bit of a cheat, Phil. I guess is my wish would be the implementation of Jindy's hit list here of of leadership role modelling. So having that self awareness, people, you know, kind of being willing to go to the uncomfortable places, really, and uh, psychological safety is really big. I think for me, that's that seems to be a recurring theme: is how do we really create the safety so that people can really step in how do we try and close the gap between the conversation that's happening in the room and the conversation that happens outside the room privately um so that we're really same thing as you Ginny, we're aligned on that one right how do we have the real conversation we need to have in the right way where it's kind of contained feel willing to be kind of vulnerable and opening up a little bit taking a bit of a risk not being judged and i like some of the other stuff on there you know just being a bit more aware learning by no means feel I have any expertise here. I'm kind of as clumsy as everyone else out there trying to figure it out, but more learning and more time. Yes. Mm. I, I love that question, Toby. What's the conversation we need to have? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant question for, for groups. Yeah. Particularly leadership groups. Yeah. And can we bring in, I mean, I'm conscious of this conversation, although, you know, a certain portion of our audience will be people in business, I'm sure but also we've gone down some other avenues and does that language even have a place in business or does that activate a kind of an immune response of no, what do you mean masculine and feminine? You know, let's get back to targets, you know, agendas, outcomes, you know, so there's something in, you talked earlier about at the top of the meeting about uh, this kind of masculine essence of, of corporations. Um, There's some of that is, you know, it's kind of inherent, isn't it? It's quite a shift, quite a journey, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but I think some of the tension some organisations feel is is kind of what Phil was pointing towards with this desire to bring more feminine energy into leadership. This idea that yeah, 
those things will be valuable. It, that that might run counter to what the organisation is really trying to do. Mm. Like, listen, this has been a really fascinating discussion. It's been very different, actually. It's been really, it's been much more of a, a an exchange rather than an interview, and I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming and being open to that idea as well. It's been, it's yeah. been really lovely. I feel like I've been sort of challenged throughout and learned quite a lot from the conversation. I feel like I could sit here for hours and continue to do the same. It does also feel like this is a podcast in its own right, indeed. So I think, and I think you're the man to bring this to the, to the masses. <laughs> There's definitely a masculinity podcast, masculinity and leadership podcast, if it doesn't exist already. And, and, and I'm sure there would be a, a, an avid, avid listenership. Feels like we've just sort of scratched on the surface. Thank you ever so much for, for your part in, in the conversation. And, and I know it's danced around a little bit all over the place, but like, thank you ever so much for your time and for your insights, both of you. I, I've, I've loved it. I really, really uh, enjoyed this. So thanks for inviting me. Really great to have this conversation with you guys. And yeah, maybe we should do it again sometime. And there is there is a podcast brewing around this. So great. maybe we'll do a repeat of this yeah, when, nice. I, when I get it started. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, right. Watch this space. Brilliant. You can find all the information discussed in this episode in the show notes. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have any ideas for future guests or topics, please feel free to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or email podcast at soulfulleadership.uk.